Well, good morning, everyone. It's a great joy to see you all. We've got friends from St. Helens with us, uh, John and Cheryl and Les and Denise. We've also got... Uh, yeah, that's right. I've just gone blank all of a sudden. Oh, and anybody else that's here, you're very, very welcome. Pardon? Yeah, yeah, that's... It's really a great joy to see everybody. It really is. Uh, we've had a couple of night, very exciting nights here, the last couple of nights. We had uh, around about 300 people here on Friday night and about 230 last night. So lots of people received their healing and a lot of people got words. It was very, very exciting. So <clears throat> this morning I've got, what's the name? I've got a message called The Soul Winner's Joy. The soul winners joy. And there's a reason as to why I'm bringing that message. In uh, April this year, we've got an evangelist coming. And there's nothing worse for an evangelist to come and to have a room full of safe people. That, that is the most frustrating thing that an evangelist can ever experience. So it's really important that we start looking and praying what is our role to be when this evangelist comes and he's going to be here for five, five days. Uh, what's our role going to be to, to really encourage uh, people to come along? First of all, we need to pray. That's coming in a minute. <laughs> First of all, we really need to pray like maybe we've never prayed before. Maybe we need to weep before the Lord. Uh, like we've never done before. Because it's that important. We're talking about eternity. We're not talking about a couple of days or a couple of weeks. We're talking about eternity. Now, as far as I know, everybody here is saved. We are going to experience with Jesus eternity. But there's a whole lot of people out there that have never ever heard the name of Jesus except as a swear word. You go to a workplace and you hear it said many, many times and you go to the pictures and you hear it said many, many times. But God wants people to come to him through Jesus Christ, his son. That was the, the bridge that was built for you and me to cross. But the bridge is still there and a whole lot of other people need to cross over that bridge as well because it's important. It really is important that that happens. Okay, I've just been reminded to take up our tithes and our offerings. Let's just pray before we do that. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to give. And we praise and glorify your holy name, Father, I pray. Bless the gift and bless the giver, for we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So there are some elements that are needed in the life of a soul winner. So nothing we can do in life is more important, worthwhile or admirable than to win souls. And I'm going to prove that from scripture. In Proverbs 11.30 it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. 
So we want to have wisdom. We want to be wise in life. We really need to start winning souls. The Holy Spirit wants us to realize there is nothing in this whole wild world that is more important or rewarding to be involved, to see people brought out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light of his dear son. That's what the Bible says. So joy comes through salvation. I didn't say happiness. I said joy comes through salvation. Who can remember the day that they got saved besides me? Okay, Kent, come on. Just random. What was the day like when you got saved? Oh, well, it changed my life. Um, yes, I was sent to the shop to uh, get some bits and pieces for mum and as I came back down the road I realised that um, I needed a saviour and I stood on that that point um, and I gave my life to Christ. He straight away comforted me in a way that I will can't understand. Um, I lost my anger, I had a lot of patience that I never had before so immediately there was this um, upwelling of Love and joy. Yeah, and I knew it. Praise the Lord. Yep. Good. Okay, it's good to hear and it's good to be reminded, it's good to remind ourselves from time to time what change took place after I got saved. You know, for me, I started talking about heaven and Susie hadn't talk, heard me talk about heaven much at all. And she knew I had changed when she visited me in hospital. She said, if you've changed that much, stick around for a while. <laughs> we didn't get on so well. We loved each other. We didn't know how to do life together. So things changed. So there is joy in heaven. Just imagine that heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. Heaven rejoices. Millions of angels, they're all having a real whoop-up party. They're enjoying themselves because somebody down here got saved. We are co-laborers with him. He is the author of salvation and we are his co-laborers. That is our role. Joy, by the way, means cheerfulness or calm delight. And it can be in the midst of all kinds of troubles that you are still cheerful and you have a calm delight because he's in control. Whatever you may achieve in this life pales into insignificance as far as worth is concerned. I'm a recipient of that. I, I, I just thought when, if I could get rich, I would be happy. Except I got rich and I was miserable because I didn't have Jesus in my life. So whatever it is, promotion, great position, owning much property, gold, silver, diamonds, mansions, multi-millionaire status, money in all the world's kingdoms cannot compare with the inheritance we have in the eternal realm. I really want to push that home today because it's so important. I'm looking forward to heaven. Amen. And people say, 
what's wrong? Aren't you happy in life? I am happy in life, but it's going to be so much better. It's going to, I, I'm never going to get sick of singing. I'm going to sing in perfect tune all the time, and so is everybody else. It's going to be pretty good, I'm telling you. So knowing Jesus Christ and being God's vessels to help people find their way to Jesus, bringing them in and being a part of God's kingdom on earth today, that is supposed to be our role. In Luke 4, the devil tried to tempt Jesus away from God's perfect will and purpose by offering Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and Jesus never said that's not yours to give. Because he had gained authority over that area with the fall. He lost it, by the way, at the cross. But we, like Jesus, must, through the power of the Holy Spirit, resist the enemy's attempts to sell us short by leading us into that temptation to love and accept the miserable treasures and glories of the kingdoms of this world. Now, I might add something. There's nothing wrong with being rich, by the way. You read the Bible and there's lots of people that are very rich as long as the riches don't own you. You own the riches, but you are the steward of those riches and whenever God says, I want you to do this or that with those riches, that's what you do. That's simple. So you can have the world, but you can't have both. You can make a choice which of the two that is worth uh, really going after. Don't be diverted and become a loser like Satan. He had everything going for him. He was the choir master in heaven. Just amazing the way he was made. He was Mr. Music himself. He had pipes and tablets in his system. Just amazing when you read the scriptures about those very things. But Jesus wants to save us from the devil's attempt to rob or to kill or to destroy us. Jesus invites all to share in his great and glorious inheritance, the kingdom of light and the abundant, joy-filled, eternal life that is ours in him. There is no joy in this world that gives joy like Christ's salvation brings. There is no, it's, it's, it's not, look, you have no idea how stingy I was. All the world revolved around me, didn't revolve around anything else. I remember Susie, she loves giving gifts and come Christmas time, she would buy all this stuff with my money. That's how, I, that's how I viewed it, my money. And then she was handing it out to all these people, mainly family and friends, with this joyful look on her face. And I was miserable because all my money was going away there. Now it's a toss-up who gives away more, her or me. It changes your life that much. But that's the way I was. There is no joy in this world that gives joy like Christ's salvation brings. 
We just heard it from one witness, and, and if I ask three or four more, you'll get the same story. Joy fills your heart. There's some essentials that we need to look at. The first essential is joy is restored when God rescues us. When David sinned against God, he lost his joy. What does he say? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. Other translations say it this way. Uphold me with a willing spirit or uphold me with your generous spirit or make me willing to obey you. Whatever the translation is, it's slightly different. Joy is an important part of salvation. Can I hear an amen? It really is. There has to be that joy in your salvation before it's going to attract other people to what you have to say. Can you imagine, you know, going to somebody saying, you can have joy just like me. That wouldn't impress anybody. But when they see joy on your face, it attracts people to you. The joy, that's cheerful, welcoming smile on your face, it's the joy unspeakable and full of glory that 1 Peter 1 verse 8 talks about. That'll draw people to you. Joy, when you are filled with joy. Psalm 34, 4 and 5 speaks of the joy of countenance upon those who trust in their God. Listen to what it says. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. This is part of the blueprint of how God's ways work. Just to make everybody feel at ease, you can't save anybody. Because the moment we think that, we come under pressure and I got to do this, I got to do that. But you do have to be a willing participant in this plan. But he's the one that does it. He's the one that does it. The second essential is from Psalm 126, 5 and 6. There is a joyful return. He who continually goes forth weeping, to weep, to bemoan for your lost neighbour, your lost street, your lost municipality, bearing seed for sowing, a bag of seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. There is a return when we start doing what God says for us to do, start weeping over our neighbourhood, start weeping over our neighbour, start weeping over our municipality, whatever municipality that you live in, ask God to give you love for that municipality. You'll begin to pray. God wants us to be weeping for the lost. I'm convinced of that. For it is for eternity, not just this life. Pray to God. Ask him to give you a heart for the lost. He will give you a burden to pray with weeping as we get to know his heart for the world. He gave his only son to die to prove just how much he loved the world. He didn't just say something, he proved it. We can't just say something, we too need to prove it. Would any one of us be willing to give our son or our daughter 
the answer would probably be no. The third essential is looking for lost sheep. It's not enough to say, as they come to me, I will help them. Or I will be joyful about my own salvation. No, the Bible declares the time will come, we will look for those who are lost. And rejoice when they are found, come to salvation. That is when there is joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents. We haven't seen salvations in this church for a long, long time and it needs to stop. It needs to change. And the change can only come as we start in prayer. It has to be that way. We start to pray and plead with God. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? What do I need to pray for? And we can all pray. The next part might not be so easy for most of us is to go out and say something to somebody. The blessings that will be seen and experienced are these. The sower and the reaper will rejoice together. That's what John 4 says. They'll rejoice together. There is rejoicing needed in the house of the Lord. Come on. There is rejoicing needed in the house of the Lord. When people come together that there's joy and that people say, I wonder what God's going to do today. That means we come with expectation. God is going to be doing something. Why? Because we've been praying and the Bible says if you pray in secret, then God will reward you what? Openly. So as we start to pray in secret for lost souls, our expectation should be that we're going to see change happening in the assembly on a Sunday morning. Rejoicing is needed in the house of the Lord because there's plenty of things happening that discourage rather than rejoice or bring encouragement. Instead, there's much heartache and suffering in the church today for all kinds of reasons. But by the grace of God, people are being set free. We saw a lot of that over the last two nights. People being set free. Captives are coming to find liberty and are gaining strength of heart and soul as they come to know God and live for him rather than for yourself or myself before I got saved. Because in that he was opening a door unto eternal life that whoever wanted could have eternal life through him. I used to think that I was a Christian because mum and dad were Christians. But that's thinking like you're a mechanic if you're born in a garage. That doesn't make you a mechanic. It just means you was born in a garage instead of a home or a hospital. So you have to make a choice. Everybody has to make a choice. That's what Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? There is such a thing as eternal life. Well, it's going to be so good. And it's going to be forever. There's nobody in the world that I've ever heard try to explain forever. It's forever. 
It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on forever. Heaven outside of Jesus Christ is just a fable. It's just a story. And you hear it all the time around the world as people die, you know, like he's gone to heaven. But he lived like the devil all his life. He probably hasn't gone to heaven unless he made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ just before he died like the thief on the cross. Then he's gone to heaven. If he hasn't done that, he hasn't gone to heaven or she hasn't gone to heaven. It's what everybody wants to think about when they die, that there is a life hereafter that is just full of joy. But the only way to get to that place is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's the only way. If you don't know Jesus, it's one of the biggest lies being promoted today that many are taking on board and believing in. There's a resurgence of the kingdom of darkness in the world at the moment. Have you noticed how many people are getting into medieval fascinations? Fairies, things, distractions, contrary to genuine faith and truth that they are on the increase. We look in countries like Africa where people are getting saved by the thousands. South America, people are getting saved by the thousands. And yet here, because we've got everything that money can buy, we think we don't need God. People don't allow darkness to be sown into your children. We're getting children in the school now from non-believing parents, but they don't want their children indoctrinated in the state system because they have homosexuals coming in, teaching their little children, five and six-year-olds, that that lifestyle is normal. That's what they're being taught. They have drag queens coming in saying, this is normal. Five-year-olds five year I'm talking about. Not talking about adults. I'm talking about innocent little kids. And that's what they're being taught. Don't let them, you know, protect your children. That's your first responsibility. It's not the church or the school's responsibility. It's mum's and dad's responsibility. They are the front line for the children. The others support what you are teaching them. Your children's souls are so valuable to God, he wants them directed in the pathways of truth. Don't compromise allowing darkness to confuse or allure, allure your children away from clearly knowing God. These things cause mixture of faith, perverting true spirituality. I love it when these children here sit and listen to what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary for them. For the kingdom is already theirs. They have faith. It's amazing the kids' faith that they have. Like we, we've seen that over the years where one of the other kids is sick and, and one of the children, you know, like I'm talking less than 10 years old, goes over, lays hands on them, prays for them and get up straight away and believe they're healed. 
because their faith is so strong, they haven't learnt that things don't happen that way. So they just have total faith God's going to do it because they're praying. We saw our grandchildren do that one time and one a little finger was bleeding or something and, and the other one said, blood, you know, horrified. But straight away, they just placed hands on each other and prayed for each other, all healed. Just that easy. Teach your children to pray. I've seen children pray for adults and they've been healed. Because quite often, they have faith that's without contradiction. Jesus actually says, he says, have faith like a little child. He doesn't say be like a little child. Have faith like a child. Many preoccupations and diversions, other things to which in, to believe, Satan will try to divert and pull you away from true believing in any situation that he can get you in. Jesus is the one who says one day when he arrives again, this time in his glory as the king of his kingdom, we all shall see him as he is, then it will be known clearly not as now, we only see him dimly as in a mirror. We must be a people of strong biblical conviction. If we're going to lead and impact our community to know God, we believe him without mixture. Having a purity of spirit, putting all our faith firmly in Jesus, not in fairies, garden gnomes, crystals, pet rocks, and any other gods of this world. If you're taking notes, write down Isaiah 44, 13 to 18. It says some things in there about what we can do, like, you know, they cut down a tree and with some of the wood they make a fire and with other parts of the wood they make a god and bow down before it. How dumb is that? But yet people do it. Or they have Buddhas outside their house or inside their house or in their garden and every day they walk past and Buddha keeps me. Buddha does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of her faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It doesn't say happiness. For the joy, because he saw all of us already sitting here. And he said, that is joy to me. Jesus was looking for souls who would be saved through the cross, through his suffering, who may spend eternity with him. Anything and everything was worth the terrible death, the shame, because he built the bridge that men, women, boys and girls could now cross. The bridge is still there. We need to lead people to that bridge by the power of the Holy Spirit and I say by the power of the Holy Spirit, I have tried to change people to become believers in Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've talked till three or four o'clock in the morning. And when I went to bed, I was convinced I had them convinced. Only for them in the morning to say, 
you know all the stuff you told me last night? I still don't believe it. And I'd be deflated the next day. But when it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's almost like you've got to pull them back and say, listen, I've got some more things to share with you first. And they say, but I want to accept Jesus Christ. I've got some more things to share with you first. And then you know it's God that's at work and it's not you doing it, it's him doing it, using you as the conduit or as the mouthpiece. And he did all that so we could have a right relationship with the Father, our Daddy God. Hebrews says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame for the souls of mankind. Souls saved and won to Jesus are to be our vision. You want a vision from God? God's given it to you right now. That's the reason. Otherwise, he could save us and bring us up to heaven straight away. But he saves us for a purpose. He has saved us that we might be salt and light. He saved us that we might pray for people and show people the way to the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we're ambassadors for Christ. Not just, not just you know, servants, only ambassadors. It's very important. Ambassador is very important. You know, I was preaching in Canada and I said, you know, like, have you ever seen an ambassador on a push bike? And they all went looking at me like this. When I did the second service, the guy at the sound desk, he wrote on the screen what a push bike was, a bicycle, and they all went, oh, is that what it is? I didn't know that they haven't got push bikes in Canada. They've only got bicycles. Souls one are a crown of rejoicing. More rejoicing in the house. Boy, I want to see that. Yet even this, nothing compares with the joy we'll have when we see him face to face. When we will rejoice in the Lord himself. Nevertheless, he has left us with the great commission that he wants us to do his work, and make disciples. That is his plan and purpose. It's stated in the Bible. He rejoices over us in this. Jesus rejoiced in spirit, listen, when the 70 returned after successfully doing his work. Jesus got joyful. He says, even demons are subject to us in your name. He said, don't rejoice in that. He said, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He says, all the other stuff is peripheral. It's all the extras. It's the froth, if you like. But the real meat is people coming to know Jesus Christ and accepting him as their Lord and Savior. That is the real meat. Jesus said, here I am and the children the Lord has given me. Paul says also in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, for what is our hope or our joy or crown of rejoicing? It is, not, is it not even you, the people that they bought to Christ in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? 
That is the joy. That's Paul talks about, Jesus talks about. Nothing short of eternal things will cause us to have joy at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. People that have been one to Jesus, they will be your glory and your joy. Just think of that. Can you imagine coming to heaven and, and, and being in the presence of Jesus and people coming up to you and they said, your testimony brought me to Jesus. Or what you said brought me to Jesus. And then you can rejoice with them for eternity. No achievement will light up your face with such joy, no raise, no promotion, nothing except bringing people before Jesus will be joy and glory to us. And finally, the church will be such a joy-filled place. I've seen it in the life of this church as people were getting saved the joy that was brought into the house. Just amazing. You know, like Fred, my brother, used to say, I wonder what God's going to do today. Because we were seeing things all the time. There was new Christians giving their testimony and just their testimony would make people weep. It was Theo's father that said, you can, I, I said one day, you can be in church all your life and, and not finish going up to not finish going to heaven. And he came to see me that week and he said, that's me. He says, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I thought the church would save me. The church doesn't save you. Jesus Christ saves you. He's the only one that can. And he knelt in my office and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. And I asked him and I said, John, are you happy to give your testimony? And all the blood drained out of his face. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I'm not asking you for now. I said, down the track when you feel that you can do it. He said, yep. I think it was three months down the track. John said, I'm ready. I asked him to give his testimony, how he got saved, how he'd been in church all his life, pretty much. There was hardly a dry eye in the place. Because he would have been round about the 70 early 70s, he was around about that age and he'd been to church all his life. And any church that tells you that the church saves you, it's a lie. I say that on the authority of God's word, it's a lie. Jesus is the only one that can save you. Acts 15 verse 3, when people are being converted as they repent and turn to Christ for the exchanged life, the rejoicing in the church will become contagious. Hear me. And everybody will want to be part of that because God is doing great and mighty things amongst his people. Where the kingdom of God is being preached, everyone will be pressing into it, the Bible says. Finding God's kingdom purpose, love and power for their lives. It thrills the heart of every believer. The church just becomes a more and more exciting place to be when people are getting saved. 
being brought from the darkness into his marvellous light. This is really something to be joyful about. I want to finish with three points that I want to pray over. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. We should remind ourselves when we got saved and the joy that it brought to our lives when we got saved. If we forget that, we will not think about sharing and being salt and light to people that are not yet saved. Two, the heart of God for the lost of the world. We need to pray, God, give me your heart for the lost of the world. And the third point, the desire to look for the lost and bring them to the cross. There was a, a preacher in, uh, in, uh, in South America that built a huge church and, and people would come to him and they said, well, I don't know Jesus. And he would take him out of the house that they were asking him the question in and he would take him out to the garden and he would say to him, Jesus, reveal yourself to my brother and then he'd go back in the house. Almost with a 100% success rate, those people came into the house weeping and crying and they said, Jesus has come into my life. See, because you can't do it. We say, repeat after me the sinner's prayer. But isn't it much better when they hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ say, just in your own words. Because I've had people say, I don't know how to pray. I said, what a load of rubbish. I said, you know how to talk. If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. Talk to Jesus and tell him what you want and tell him what you need and tell him how miserable you are right now and you want joy to fill your heart and he'll do all those things. Let's just close our eyes. Father, I pray for every person here to restore the joy of their salvation. Lord, as to when they first got saved, Lord, bring that joy back. Lord, that they would be just so full of thankfulness and, and Lord, thanking you and praising you every day because you saved them. Lord, you pulled them out of the darkness and you've placed them into the kingdom of your son that is full of light. Father, restore that joy. Lord, to each and every person in the reach of my voice. And Father, I pray, Lord, change our hearts. Lord, may we feel what you feel for a lost and dying world. Lord, change our hearts. Lord, change our hearts. Lord, teach us what it is to weep for the lost. Teach us what it is, Lord, to weep for the lost in Kingborough, in St. Helens, Lord, in Hobart, Lord, other parts of Tasmania and the world, teach us to weep that we might have your heart for these people in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, give us a new desire, a desire to look for the lost, a desire to see somebody and say, Jesus, should I be talking to this person
Are they lost? Because he knows all things. The Holy Spirit knows all things. And he resides in us. We start asking him for direction. He'll give us direction. Father, help us in all those areas. Lord, may we become a soul-winning people or a soul-winning church. Lord, that that is our heart's desire. And Lord, we all know it starts in prayer. Lord, because our hearts need to change first and foremost. Lord, if, if we're not willing to weep, maybe we're not willing to share, we're not ready to share your amazing love with others. Help us in all those areas, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, get us ready, Lord, for when our friend from Sydney comes, Lord, to do evangelical meetings, Lord, to win the lost to Christ, that we would be bringing unsafe people and that this house would be filled with your joy, joy and full of glory. Father, help us in all those areas, we pray. Lord, to be your people and to do what you ask us to do. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. people of God, we need to become intentional. If we're not intentional about winning the lost to Christ, it's just another sermon. We're just not going to do it unless we become intentional. So can I encourage you strongly, become intentional. Whatever your part may be, I'm not asking anybody to be an evangelist when God hasn't gifted you that way. What I am asking you to do, in whatever way God has gifted you, that you operate in the gift. You might be an intercessor. Intercede non-stop until we see God come through in, as, in just winning many souls that that baptismal tank there would be used on a weekly basis as it should be.